Hey everyone, this is your co-host Chuck Parson. Just a quick trigger warning, in this episode we will be discussing forms of childhood sexual abuse and an instance of sexual assault in some amount of detail. There will be another quick trigger warning in the episode before we discuss the sexual assault, which will be towards the end of the episode. As always, thanks for listening, and here we go. Welcome back to the life after. Welcome back to the life after. <laughs> we, Brady, how are you feeling over there today? Oh my God. So I'm on muscle relaxers because I pulled my back Brady's last night. Brady's on muscle relaxers. Yeah. So I feel like we're just, we're just coming back from break from last week. Because <laughs> my brain Brady really just woke up in the back. next room and I'm walked in here. We're Van Winkled. Yeah. Hell yeah. How are you? Um, I'm doing, I'm feeling great. I'm feeling great. I'm a, I'm a beer and a half in at this point. <laughs> so that's kind of a muscle relaxer. Yeah. Yeah. That's unhealthy. Stay the official beer of the life after. And poor people. And poor people. So I've got a question for you, Chuck. Yeah, when you, you were, um, have I told you how I always picture the beginning of our shows as a puppet show where it's like, Hey, Chuck, how do you, oh, da, 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 da. and then like you answer and like, cause like I have these questions that are so obviously <laughs> set up that it just Is feels that, like a puppet Am I an inanimate object to you that you just like shove your hand up my ass and yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm <laughs> basically okay. You're the current. Well, what do you want Jim me to Henson. say, Brady? Um, <laughs> so I was thinking, what uh, what book like authors did you like when you were a Christian? We we oh, brought man. it up as we go, but like, well, so many. So the real reason this is coming up is because I came into your house today where we record and. Right. Um, Laying out in your coffee table was a Rob Bell book. Rob Bell. And I was like, doing the heretic. What are you doing? <laughs> I mean, let's be real. If there's any author that it's like relatively passive for us to read at this point, it's Rob Bell. But I, I never really got that deep into him. No, I know Brady because you were. I know. I know. You were just like I did like the new movie. You only you only liked toxic literatures. Yeah. <laughs> Because it made sense. It at least follows the. Yeah. Okay. So I was review. I was uh, I was skimming the the intro to Love Wins, which was his probably his most controversial book, um, for a segment that I'm working on for the show. Oh, okay. But you guys will will get into it. You get actually. I think they will have heard it by then. It was the beginning of the Dave episode where I talk about hell. So. What other What other authors? Um, okay, so the days. author that, and I've talked about this a little bit on the show before, but like the author that kept me Christian was Donald Miller first. So blue like I jazz. was about blue like jazz. I was about to, I was about to leave. I was almost out in college. I was like seventeen. I graduated high school, taken this stupid worldviews class oh, at wow. my at Westminster at my mm -hmm. very Presbyterian school and I got done with this class and I was like Are th is this really the best apologetic that we have like is that the defense really and so I was like that's not very convincing so I was like about to get out and then I read Blue Like Jazz which is just like such a it's just a night it's just such a well-written book <laughs> like I'm not recommending it, it to our to audience or anything but in a crew bag or something yeah it was in a it was a campus crusade bag Ew. and uh i read it and i was like oh shit i don't have to be a republican or a conservative and i can curse and i can drink alcohol and all of that is cool and don miller's wow that guy's really cool and then i got in, really into him and i read the rest of his books and that really led to just a rabbit trail after that what about what were you reading when you were in college brady 
Um, so I was, you know, very reformed and I was a theology person. So I loved, <laughs> I loved John Piper because like, Brady and I used to argue incessantly about Calvinism, by the way, that bad. Every time we saw each other, we would at least take, get one dig in <laughs> that is about true. Calvinism and Armenianism. Yeah, that sure. is true. Anyway, we, we were so young and different, but, yeah, we were. um, so I really liked him because I, I, I liked the logic of everything. And also, you know, he, he does talk a lot about like joy and, you know, the emotional side of the beliefs and all of that. Right. So I was, he was really the, attracted the to that. self-professed Christian hedonist. Yeah. God, that was like, that the was like on my, desiring God confessions of a Christian hedonist. Is that right? Is they that the used to be in my religious views on Facebook. Kristen Hedonist. I was I was transformed. Transforming was my religious views. God, it tastes like MySpace. Oh, I need a break. I need to take a break. We'll be right back. No, but I was into him for college. I had to read a lot of A W Pink. Oh, A W Pink. Yeah. Wow. I went through a weird Jonathan Edwards phase but that was mostly because of it like sinners in the hands of an angry because he was basically God. like john piper's grandfather and i wanted to like read the we whole are but family spiders tree. dangling by a single read thread that in my high school above the flames of hell it's so it's so not biblical at all like there's no he has no judgment day. It's like hell exists right now and when you die you go straight there. You know, it's like such a weird well, that's what they his theology believe. was terrible. Uh, Even well, from a liberal perspective, his theology you, you Even from a say, conservative perspective, his theology. But there's nothing that graded the papers on. Yeah, like true. how are you supposed to say what theology he was the, is? The Great Awakening. There's nothing but anyway, so that's um that was kind of the stuff I was into is and then like Oof. I liked Mark Driscoll. And I'm Mark so disgusted Driscoll. by that now. That's sad. I mean, like... It's really sad. It was sad in, back then. In your defense, like, uh, like, I mean, you, there was a point where everybody should have seen it coming, but there was a point where nobody saw it coming. So it's like, there's a middle ground, you know? Like, I recommended, as a matter of fact, um, a friend of a friend was starting a church, and my friend came to me because I worked at a Christian bookstore, and I was like, super nerd. And he was like, what book should he read? Like, what's the mm. one book you should read? And I recommended Confessions of an Emergent or an Emerging Church Pastor or whatever. Oh, wow. yeah. Confessions. Uh, and he read it, and the, and I he came back to me and was like, oh, yeah, my friend Sean read it, and he said it, it like, totally changed the way he preached, approached the church. And I was like, yeah, yeah I'm awesome. I know I know what's up. And the, But in hindsight, I'm like, oh, God, no, that was terrible. Well, you just said Christian bookstore and it reminded me of another writer that I feel like I need to mention on this list is uh, fictionally Frank Peretti. Frank Peretti. I loved me some Frank Peretti, The Oath. Mm. Yeah, The Oath. I was uh, uh, Presence of Darkness. Yeah, this Presence of Darkness and Piercing the Darkness. This Presence of Darkness and what was the other one? Piercing the Darkness. Piercing the Darkness. Weirdly, I read Piercing the Darkness first. It was because of some homeschool homeschool curriculum I had. Yeah. Very um, postmodern of you. So okay, so I, I there's a few names I have I have to drop that I haven't yet. Go for uh, it. One, two, three. Big Shane Claiborne. Big Shane Claiborne. Shane Claiborne heavily influenced me. I mean, I I was like 
on the verge of starting a intentional community slash cult no, because of that book. Yeah, you were, you were around. I came, one, I came one week. I love Shane Claiborne. I'm too so bad. glad that never worked out because I'm like, I was trying to start a cult. I mean, like, I wouldn't have been like a narcissistic, you know, sociopathic leader, right. but there it would have been a really weird ass, like, concentric community that... God, like in hindsight, I'm like, I had no fucking idea what I was doing. Brian Murphy would have eventually done a series on it. <laughs> Seriously. Eventually. Um, definitely big Rob Bell fan. Rob Bell influenced my theology a lot. But more than that, even I think just diving into all the, the authors that Rob Bell would like footnote yeah um, helped a lot uh, because I was like, okay, Rob, I can tell Rob Bell is like the pop version of this. Let me dive in and, and get more into it hmm. with the with the heavier stuff um paul david tripp i liked his you were did you read spurgeon were you a spurgeon fan uh, yeah yeah but not super much he kind of yeah that like sometimes when people talk in that era i'm just like why are you talking like that <laughs> like, right. I, I get like it was the time and everything yeah. but like couldn't you just admit that your time was stupid yeah and you could just talk how i would understand it a little bit better thanks that's so all i will that's say all this. i'm asking for is for time travel and the butterfly effect to benefit my reading <laughs> comprehension i will say this as much as i like shit on your worldview back then and now still mm -hmm. thank um, you yeah anytime i uh was a I wouldn't say I was a fan of John Piper, but I respected John Piper's exegetical approach hmm. uh, because it was hard to it was hard to come by uh, Christian authors that really took a serious exegetical approach yes. to things. Everybody was doing like, you know, expository like just grabbing from all over the place and not really diving into specific texts. As it, I mean, it, the Bible is sixty six separate texts. It's not right. One big text. Yeah, he was big into like the verse by verse reading it and, and preaching it that way. That's what I wanted Didn't to do. Didn't he spend do. like six years going through Romans? Yeah, it was a exegetical explosion. <laughs> <laughs> exegetical explosion. You got to preach the one verse by one verse before you get to the sixty-six other books. Now you're Bernie Sanders. It's the same thing. <laughs> It's the same person with a different wig on, hardly. <laughs> Honestly, let's be honest. John Piper would would never support the queer community like Bernie Sanders. Never. Well, uh, there's no there's no like uh, reasonable segue into well, our well, guest. Yeah, introduce because... us to our guest, will you please? Yeah, I will. Um, our guest today is uh, Victoria Lynn Myers. She is an instagram middle model. name is she in trouble lynn <laughs> victoria lynn myers mm. get your butt over here <laughs> uh, <laughs> no she's a, uh she's an instagram model now grew up in the you're about to find out like how deep the fundamentalist uh, uh, yeah. rabbit hole goes um and uh th that juxtaposition alone was fascinating enough <laughs> for me to be like will you be on the show so um <laughs> Yeah, Victoria, how's it going over there? Hey, good. How are you guys? Doing very good. 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 Do you have any authors that you liked from back in your Christian days? You know what? That's interesting because actually, like, in the sphere that I was in, they didn't really, like, recommend any books. Whenever we go to the Christian bookstore, it would just be specifically to get the key, 
KJV, oh. it wouldn't be to look at any uh, of the books because KJV. like all of the books were way too liberal. We would literally go in, get our Bibles and get out. Whoa. I'm picturing yeah. that meme of like her looking at the Bible and the KJV is like, why aren't you looking at me? And she's looking at an NIV with a nice binding. Literally. Right. That's what it was. She wants to get that her is. hands on that spine. With the, with the inde- indices. Mm. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Wow. And get her name engraved on it. Or she can get mm-hmm. amplified at the one that says everything three times, the one that overwords everything, <laughs> the we one that repeats amplified. itself. We really like brackets. <laughs> um, when we get back, we're going to talk to uh, Victoria about her time in a, in a fundamentalist Baptist cult and uh, whew, the long journey out. We'll be right back right after this. Let me unpack that for you a little bit. Oh, hello there, Chuck. <laughs> I didn't see you there. How are you? Hmm? Good. Just uh, editing the episode. What's up? <laughs> What's up? Oh, you commoner and your common talk. I guess I'm what you would say, <laughs> doing not much. <laughs> what is this? Chuck, pst, pst, Chuck, it's me, your pal Brady. I'm practicing patronizing, so I'm working on being more condescending to people. <laughs> oh, Ooh. do you have any idea where Matt can get some crumpets around here? Oh, <laughs> uh, why are you doing this? You know, for our Patreon, we've been asking people to patronize our page, and I didn't <laughs> want to ask them to do something I wasn't willing to do it myself. So I figured I'd get some practice. In. Oh God, Brady, no, that's huh? that's what? not what it means. Oh, no? listen. Listeners can go to our Patreon page, pick the level you want to contribute. Oh. Each level has special rewards. Okay. Like exclusive life after minisodes. Or not safe for work bloopers? Uh, or like a monthly collection of deconstruction memes. And even personal consultations or meet up with your favorite host, Chuck and Brady? Yeah. Brady. Patreon.com slash the life after. <laughs> I guess even you could find it. <laughs> And welcome back to The Life After. We are here with Victoria Lynn Myers and my co-host, Brady Harden. Hey. Hi. Howdy. Howdy. Uh, So, Victoria, you grew up in Virginia. What part of Virginia? Manassas. It's like 30 minutes from D.C. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um... And you grew up in, in, I guess, what you, would, what you would call a fundamentalist Baptist cult. So it's like fundamentalist Baptist on steroids. Right. right? The most extreme. That's wild. And yeah. And is your, your, your parents and your family are like still in this community, right? Yeah. So it's weird because my family, my mom and dad are very much extreme versions. Like the rest of my family on my mom's side is still religious. I mean, they still believe in God and everything, but they aren't the extreme version like my family is. Okay. And so growing up, I was never, we were never around family either. Mm. Like we were only around my mom and dad and my brother because like the rest of them drank, the rest of them smoked, the rest oh, of them cut. Yeah. And so we grew up even segregating ourselves from them. So, okay, that that's actually a really good start because like that's some extreme <laughs> shit when you're even isolated from your own family. Not not right. just the whole not just like the outside world, but like 
literally no, the, family. your family, your yeah. like aunts yeah. and uncles, and for your parents, their siblings. Yeah. So, like we would see them probably once a year. It wasn't a thing like they'd invite us over and we'd always think of a reason or something to not be able to go. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So there was always an excuse, but you know, you kind of put two and two together. And plus like my dad was a very big alcoholic um, before they had me and my brother. Okay. And so like even being around alcohol, I feel like was a trigger. And so they wow. just didn't, you know? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That makes a little bit more sense, but still, like, feels it's very misguided weird. and unhealthy. Yeah. Right? For, for sure. sure. For sure. Hmm. So, aside from like this, this kind of, I feel like isolation is kind of going to be a theme in this episode, both before and after your deconstruction. I won't get into that, but what what were some of the the rules that this this cult and that your family like enforced? Like, what there were some really extreme things. Yeah, for sure. Um, so a lot of this stuff wasn't like, I would even say biblical. Like whenever I'd ask them where they got the rules, it was like, they couldn't even tell me because it was just that far in. Um, like six inch rule with guys and girls. I don't know if you ever heard of that, but like, even if you're an adult and if you're dating, uh, uh you're only supposed to sit six inches or further apart. They would literally like at the college that I went to, they had dividers in between because you couldn't sit any closer else you get written up. Oh my God. Um, dividers yeah, sure like, all... wait, wait, dividers on the, like the pews or like the pews, the benches everywhere. How it was much horrible. did they spend on dividers? It was horrible. <laughs> they got to put dividers in yeah, the budget every year. Yeah, we're going to need you to tithe a little more because all the dividers we had to add, you know, just Some ridiculous. Some churches probably donated what? them. Right. It's ridiculous. They so they had that box. going. Everything everything was very hyper-sexualized, but, like, not really. And we'll get into that. Yeah. But um, so women were very much controlled. Shirts all the way up to here. Skirts. um four inches below the knee or lower. Like I was a cheerleader on the like Christian or Baptist like cheer oh, team. Did. Okay. Okay. But we couldn't do any stunts. You couldn't like, we literally practice just jumping up and down because we wanted to make sure our skirts didn't come above four inches Whoa. above our knee or below Whoa. our knee. I'm trying to so picture. Like, <laughs> you need to send us a picture of you as you a cheerleader a with a to skirt advertise. that goes below your knees. I think those are called modesty hops. <laughs> literally literally no stunts just jumping in place and you have to make sure when you jumped we had it down to a t where it couldn't go any higher than four inches below our knee or else they would look at us and be like "Uh uh-uh not gonna fly whoa yeah you're literally not gonna fly as a cheerleader because (laughs) you know had no flyers because you could literally god somebody watched bring it on last week (laughs) I want to bring it on every week. <laughs> so with that, I mean, they had purity culture was a big, big thing. Purity rings were a big thing. Like mm. once you got your period, it was really odd. Like your Ooh, dad that's so found creepy. out that you got your period. And then like my friends and Dude. I, they'd be given rings like, and you'd wear it on your wedding ring finger. What? And you'd like, you'd promise that you wouldn't have sex before marriage. Like you promised your virginity to your dad until you were married, um, which is very, very weird and very scary Wait, now that I've All too common, but like just every time I hear it described, it's like, oh. It's what? so gross. Oh, it I is know. so gross. Promise, never... Promising anything that has to do with your genitals to your dad <laughs> is weird, okay? 
It's very weird. It's very, very weird. Well, I didn't know um, about the timing of getting those rings at your first. Oh, I did. Yeah, that's, that's not, creepy. That's a new yeah. one. I haven't heard. I haven't heard that one before. Yeah, it's disgusting. Like, what, um, did, the, what did your? Did you have one of these rings? Yeah. So I. Okay. So I grew up not very. I mean, I'm still not very like established financially, but we grew up pretty poor. Um, and that's pretty privileged to say because it wasn't as bad as a lot of other people, but we didn't grow up with everything. And my mm-hmm. dad actually gave me his mom's, um, God, everybody's like, in yeah. Oh, that's okay. Yeah. It's like if you have sex before marriage, your grandmother's that ghost so will be watching. Scary. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's super weird. Yeah. That's very weird. Um, so uh. that was a thing at our school, um, until you were a senior or like a junior, your dad would take you to every function. So like homecoming, your dad would take you there. Ew. It was in a gymnasium and like, we would just, I don't know if that's normal even in public school because I, I never went to a public school. I was born and raised independent fundamental Baptist from like the minute that I was out of my mom's womb. Right. Uh, I was straight into the nursery and straight into indoctrination. Yeah, we we would and, have them in the gym, like yeah, gym oh, really? dances and stuff. That yeah. sounds about right. So you're trying to make them look cute with a couple of like strings of <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, fabric or like oh, yeah. Christmas lights. Thankfully, yeah. I managed to skip that. But like, okay, so I I you dodged it asked. by I skirted it because my parents. By the time I was that age, my parents went to a separate different church than me. Like I sort of started mm-hmm. carving my own path. So all my, but it was weird. Like at the time I was like, oh man, I kind of wish my parents would do this with me. I'm really glad they did it in hindsight. Woo. Yeah, for real. You missed out on rings. some, yeah, some that, traumatic incidents. So, okay. So you, um, you mentioned like school and college. You were in this, this like fundamentalist educational track all the way through right correct i followed it all the way through (sighs) okay so which is crazy yeah that's wild so so grade school high school college you were it was this was all like pretty closely tied to the community that you were a part of oh absolutely and it's so sad now like realizing that i didn't even get a general education like the teachers there all were taught by fundamental Baptists and they were specifically Mm. taught like Bible stuff, but nothing else. So even our like math teachers and everybody didn't really know anything about what they were teaching. So like in Mm. high school, I think the highest education I got in regards to math was like algebra one, because like every year we would finish like a half or a quarter of the book because they couldn't teach it because there was like, they just couldn't, it was it wasn't accredited or anything like, and my parents were paying. That's the thing they were struggling. You know what I mean? Trying to make bills meet and then they're paying all this money for crappy education. It's just so sad, you know? (sighs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, I get that. Yeah. 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 That's super rough. I mean, like I was homeschooled through 10th grade and at that point I was like, now I'm going to school. Like I'm going to real right. school. Yeah, no. And I still went to a Christian high school, but it was a Christian college prep school. So I got ended up with a really good education. But like there's just some there's like we haven't really talked about Christian education a lot on the show. And like that's oh, something really? we need to dive into probably at some point. Uh like like I, I mean you. Chris Stroop <laughs> has the uh hashtag exposed Christian schools. Um, and then there's like this whole homeschooling thing. We've had a lot of guests that homeschooled hmm. and it, the curriculum comes up short and the, 
like a lot, especially with science, like you don't yeah. learn any, you learn like really weird Science. Yeah, you don't like, <laughs> learn evolution or like any of the basic principles. Like I right. just learned about evolution like a year and a half ago or maybe a year ago. Like and Surprise. it was me like looking at like looking it up and everything and trying to get educated on it because yeah, no one taught me anything. You know what I mean? And that's mm -hmm. just wild to me. Like it's wild to me that my family still doesn't even acknowledge that that's a thing. Um, yeah. that's crazy. And, oh, and just to see that as a pattern of knowing, Hey, here's this huge chunk of thing that you know about. And when you bring it up to people who are still deep into the fundamentalism, it's kind of like a whole other fucking different language for them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah. And it's like, I just don't understand how you could be in denial of something so basic. And it's mm -hmm. just kind of, it's just wild. But yeah, I went to, Religious school all the way through grade school, high school. There was probably about a hundred kids in our whole school because Damn. it's funny. Like my class in sixth grade started out with probably like 25 students. And by the time we had reached 12th grade, there was five of us because everybody had gotten like kicked out because of stupid stuff. Like, Oh, oh we caught you no wearing pants. Way. We caught you wearing pants. We <sighs> caught you holding hands. We caught you like, get out. What? It's so sad now because of how I treated these people. Yeah. How I treated these people was like, Oh, you're pieces of shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. I treated Talk them so. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And now I've had to go back and be like, I'm so sorry. Like you were just trying to be a little normal. And like, I was so stuck in, into it and trying to be such a people pleaser that I ended up probably do adding more insult than injury, you know, to the injury. Like it just wasn't very kind of me. And I've had to go back and like apologize. Did you, how did you feel at the time about people being shunned and people being cut off? Cause obviously you have di very different feelings now. Yeah. It's weird. It's weird in retrospect to know that I'm the person that they're now preaching about and I'm mm. like, maybe not necessarily me, Victoria Myers, but mm -hmm. definitely people that do what I'm doing mm -hmm. are now the topic of conversation. And before mm. I was sitting on the front row, nodding my head like, exactly. yes, get them, get them, yeah. you yeah. know, same and era, it's just era, so yeah. weird. It's so weird. And it's like you disassociate. It's like you turn off your brain. You just nod. I was a huge people pleaser. Like it's, it's in me through and through. And so I did everything I could to check every box off every list and get every gold star. So mm -hmm. if they said a person was wrong, I didn't question it. I just said they're wrong. I'm not their friend anymore. Moving forward type of thing. And it's so crappy now. There's no loyalty there. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. yeah. There's no, there's no kindness. There's no like, and especially the rules that they set in place. Like it doesn't even make sense. Like a person chose a different article of clothing than what she would choose. Like why, mm -hmm. why so cut much, them off? Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's so weird. There's such an obsession within Christian, like with, independent baptist about pants good god yes. like that is one yeah. cross they are up gonna yes. die on yeah and i'm not trying to be an asshole but is there only one haircut for the women or is it right. just me no no it's absolutely Definitely. like and that's they preach against that like if your hair like for guys if your hair touches your ear you're like evil like you're what? you're so liberal like god will spew you your out your hair and all touches this. your ear yeah like that is the sign like they would literally for girls they would do dress checks where you'd have to get on the floor and like you'd sit on the floor like on your knees and if your skirt didn't come to the floor you would get sent home from school 
And if the guy's the ear, like they would literally at one point they brought like trimmers. Oh my god! And the guys and the guys would have hair checks, and if it was touching their ear, I kid you not, they would shave it. What the fuck? What the fuck? What? 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 Why? Yeah, I don't understand it. Is that like a sign of being effeminate? No, I think it's more of a sign of like, well, maybe that's it. And they're really afraid of men having emotion. They're really afraid of men having, you know what I mean? All of that toxic masculinity. I'm sure if we delved into it, that would be part of it. But I think just at the, I don't know if somebody like set this rule up and they just followed it. But yeah, guys that did that, they were liberal and like, don't hang around them. And they're like possessed or all this crazy stuff that they said, you know, bonkers possessed. Yeah, it's wild. Bonkers. But you're saying that you touched on this earlier, and is it okay if we jump into like how it was a hypersexual culture, but not at yeah, the same time? Sure. Yeah. Was like this obsession about the 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 skirt lengths. Yeah. Right. Like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's such a strange fetish Concept. almost of like just yeah. like a a zoning in on the of the, the of the tension uh, like yeah. oh my god why is this why is this such a big fucking why is deal, a big deal? Yeah. but i like how you worded it that it's like such a hyper like sexualized thing but at the same time it's also kind of like based on not having sex and so it's kind of like its <laughs> own like well weird it's thing right it's like t- this is like a big this is like a huge thing for me before you comment on it, Victoria, like we, like Christian culture. Okay, so my mantra is repression doesn't work, right? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So it's like you have you have enough people trying to repress their sexuality so hard, like trying to literally trying to create an asexual culture, yeah. like a culture that is yeah. that is in denial of sexuality except for the exclusive you know people that are married that get to engage in sexuality but even yeah. they should not shouldn't like talk about it it shouldn't be part of the culture and it's almost like this like embarrassing a side note that we have to address because you're getting married yeah. and you're going to have to do this and it's just yeah. like of course repression results in hypersexuality it results in yeah. you like seeing the world through the lens of sex because mm. you're trying so hard to hold it back that, that your, your body is literally just trying to find a way to let it out so it just becomes yeah. all-encompassing for sure yeah that's absolutely the case it's just insane to me that like they don't plan on talking to you about sex regardless of your age um mm. until the night before you get married god because, my god because they don't want to address it because they think if they address it that'll tempt you it's wow. like like do you not understand how everything works do you not understand like i don't know like so that was their plan and the weird thing is, is like you said, like they were very focused on skirt links. I mean, they preached and taught against even wearing sandals because it elongated your leg, your legs, apparently. And so like you couldn't what? like they didn't believe in wearing sandals like you'd get sent home for the most ridiculous things like sleeves even needed to be like they couldn't be even cap sleeves. It had to be like a full sleeve or longer because like arms were apparently fetishized. I mean, the most insane things became a fetish or like a hyper focus without saying it because there was so much um withholding right so what you mentioned a second ago about your dad being an alcoholic 
right? Yeah. And yeah. going in situations where he doesn't want to be triggered or whatever. Right. With the church, we had such an obsession about not leading others into temptation. Oh my right. God. right. Yeah. To where it became like our faults with it. Oh, and so yeah. in us as Baptists, there was that the obsession about alcohol, right? For about sure, like yeah. we don't want to cause anybody to stumble. Yeah. But like what do you that that line though between um yeah, okay, I've got a friend who is an alcoholic. Am I gonna invite them to go to the bar? No. But right. if I actually have alcohol, is that gonna send them into the spiral? Right. No. But we were it's taught not really that, your responsibility. Yeah, you know we what were I taught mean? that I was our responsibility, but weren't yeah. we? Yeah. And that's I don't know. It's it's very interesting. They they put so much weight on specifically women to like hold the responsibility of a bunch of men, especially, I mean, it's ridiculous hoops we're having to jump through for men. You know what I mean? Like, hmm. it's not like I have anything hanging out at that point. It's literally like, right. like my skirts are down to my ankles. I can't even wear flip flops. You know, my shirts are <laughs> up here and you're still sending me home as a sixth grade girl. Wow. And the teachers yeah. are all like at least 30 to 40 years old and you're fetishizing everything about us. That's just so, it's so weird now to reflect on. Mm. it's so bizarre so okay so that i feel like the all of that repression it came out in some really ugly ways in your community right oh for for sure so it's not uncommon there's this one man in our church that um you guys have talked um several times about how repression doesn't work which i totally agree with there's this one married guy um who i believe is gay um, who has messed with several young boys mm. um, that the church has not denounced at all, Ugh. but then has made the, but then has made the boys that have now, I mean, some of them identify as gay and whatever. Um, they've made them feel bad for their sexuality, but mm. they're de- not denouncing the person that, that did a lot right. of these issues. Um, and then also pastors. I mean, it's not uncommon. There's a pastor up here, um, Jack Scott. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of him or not. Mm-hmm. Um, First That's Baptist right. Church of Hammond. It's a pretty big, huge church. Mm-hmm. Um, he actually went to jail. He actually served some time for having, uh, I don't know if he had sex with a minor or if he was just kind of like luring in. Um, but she was a minor and he took her across uh, state lines to have sex with oh her. Oh my God. And Jesus. so there was a big scandal with that too. Um, also like we can touch kind of on, um, some stuff that happened, I guess. Um, so I had a best friend and like, we ended up like, they would really, okay. Whenever you have segregation of girls and guys, like guys all the way up into high school would ride on separate buses, Mm. the girls would all stay in the same room, same bed and guys would do the same. Right. And whenever you repress people and you tell them sexuality is bad and stuff like that, then it's going to lead to other things. And um, well, in the actually, lack of education too. lack mean, of like, education. Absolutely. When you're not talking to people about stuff, you're not educating them. And then all of this stuff like it was very common that a lot of girls were like, I don't know what they identify with, but a lot of girls were doing stuff, too, because yeah. it's like, you know, it just kind of made sense. Right. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. I I got the sense from I got the sense from like talking to you before this this interview that like it seemed like deviant forms of like sexual like molestation or something were like fairly common. common. In your, yeah. yeah. 
very common. That very, sucks. very common. Yeah, it's very <laughs> common. And also something we can talk about is like the correlation with that and also like, you know, sexual assault victims and stuff like that. Because as somebody that has witnessed this, it became my normal. You know what I mean? It became my world. It became my reality. And mm -hmm. seeing so many people, like, it wasn't uncommon whenever Facebook became a thing. I got on there in, like, sixth or seventh grade, maybe eighth grade. And I had friends' dads sliding into my DMs mm. and, like, Jesus. you know, sending winky faces and stuff like that. Oh and, like, I have, a, I have a secret Ugh. I want to tell you. Ugh. And they'd be sitting in the choir loft looking at me, the whole sermon winking at me and stuff. Oh, God. Oh, you know fuck. what I mean? Like, Ugh. this was very, very, very common in, in my sector yeah. of religion. Ew. Yeah, for sure. And like the claim, it's just so weird to me that the claim is that this is like, like we are following these rules to make this an asexual or sexually safe space. Right. And it's like absolute, like 120% doing the opposite of that. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Ignorance. So you, so you had, okay. So in these, one of the problems that we, I, I don't think we've like directly addressed on this show with like these really strict these communities have really strict rules about sexuality is that if you have a sexual experience, you don't have any, you don't have any outlet to talk about it. Mm -hmm. right? No, definitely not. And that was true for you. For sure. Yes. And I, and I've dealt with like guilt and like confusion and isolation because of that. And it's felt, and up until now, there was no, I didn't know of you guys. I didn't know of any resources. I didn't know of anybody really to talk to. So I felt like I was just having internal dialogue mm. and, you know, there'd be days where I'd be driving to work or whatever. And I'd just be breaking down crying mm. and like, you know, just really trying to deal with stuff and never got any type of closure, any type of conversations. Cause everything was so hush hush that you couldn't even talk about it. Right. You know what I mean? And yeah. so like my first experience, like it was something that happened and it happened behind closed doors and we were never allowed to actually talk about it. Mm -hmm. And so that went on for years of us doing things and not talking about it. And finally me at some point realizing like, this is what this is. Let me confront this person and kind of try to at least see what we are, maybe get something out of this. Cause I deeply loved her. Mm. And then, and then like being kind of like shot down, you know mm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. well, mm -hmm. Yeah. That was really, that was really, um, heartbreaking because it's like, I don't know. I just recently came to the realization. A lot of people have asked me what has caused me to like leave this type of environment. I mean, there's so many obvious reasons at this point, but I think I had always used the example, like I had always used the excuse that, you know, I just started wearing pants and people started DMing me, calling me a slut or whatever. And then I was just like, okay, this is ridiculous. I'm just listening to normal music. I still identified as a fundamental Baptist. You're already abandoning me. Wow. Like, and it caused me to start questioning things. But actually, I think more so it was me wow. having a good sexual experience with somebody of the same gender and it feeling completely natural and feeling like nothing was wrong. Mm. And then going to church and being screamed at and being told that this is evil. Mm. And I just didn't, it didn't connect until wow. recently that that was probably part of how I started deconstructing is because I just didn't see eye to eye on that because I, it felt natural. It felt wholesome. It felt like everything they were acting like it wasn't. 
Yeah. Jamie Lee Finch talked about that with one of her first experiences was positive and it was great. And she also talks about like uh, other women that, that she's talked to that have that same experience. And it's not until you talk to a church person that you yeah. start feeling that, that shame like, no. yeah. and you get told, no, this is how you're supposed to be feeling right now. Yeah. This yeah. is, and that's what fundamentalism is, is isn't it? Yeah. Like it's, this is what you're supposed to be seeing. This is what you're supposed to be doing. This is what you're supposed to be feeling. Right. And, and that's the, what you're supposed to be feeling is the, that's the big bad thing you know yeah. what i mean yeah like yeah. Say, like the doing and like the rules is like one that's one level of bad but telling people how to feel is a totally different oh, level yeah. of, of horrible totally. human behavior well, i mean especially whenever that system only has feelings as its foundation you know it's personal foundation it's personal evidence to right. people is, right. yeah, is sure. like it's not going to show itself it has nothing to yeah. show the only thing that you're going off is your feelings and if it's telling you what to feel that is fucking the emperor has no clothes at this point like it is telling yeah. you <laughs> this is what I'm wearing aren't I aren't right. I <laughs> yeah, right? exactly. yeah totally and Bullshit. it's interesting because that experience with her so I've really, I've always considered myself like a very conscious person, a person that sees reality for actually what it is. And I had always talked to myself and had this voice that believed that I had reached out to her. So her family was missionaries to Israel. Mm -hmm. Um, and we were like, we had been very close friends. I, I had had very bad anxiety attacks, panic attacks, um, sixth grade and through like eighth oh, grade wow. and having her as a stable friend, like really caused me to kind of eliminate eliminate those. Cause I had no stability in my life prior to that. Um, my brother, a family member was really, um, big into drugs and stuff like that. Mm. Um, and all of this instability anyway, and having her really eliminated that. And I remember one day her asking me like, Tori, how long has it been since you've had anxiety attacks? And I was like, Oh my God, it's been so long because like, I just had, you as my stability person mm, in my life yeah. that's caused some stability and just noticing how much that meant to me. And then from there, we gradually formed like a relationship. And I had always thought that whenever I had emailed her and brought up, Hey, like, this is how I'm feeling. How do you feel? That's how I always thought that I had put it. And recently I reached out to her just to get closure because I was still thinking and like, you know, it just, I couldn't get over it because she had been a significant part of my life. And regardless of us being in a relationship or just a friendship, like just the fact that she had helped me so much, I just couldn't get over losing a person like that. Um, and so I reached out to her and was like, Hey, like, this is how I felt. This is how, I don't know how I worded it. And she said, Tori, actually you said, I'm not like this and kind of cut me off. Mm. So that was mm. wild to like hear. And that was like very devastating and very heartbreaking because I had ran this narrative in my brain that I had like told her my yeah. feelings, but mm. I didn't have the proper tools at that time either. Oh, yeah. I can't really, you know what I mean? But I, I cried whenever I got that email because yeah. I was like, wow, like it was lost time. She's now, you know, she's now married and a missionary now. So it's oh, like, yeah. it's past time. And I knew that I knew it was past time. It was just, I needed closure because I couldn't move on mentally. And then it was, it was wild to hear her be like, this was not what you said, you know? Yeah. And I hope you're able to kind of like look at that non-judgmentally towards yourself, you know, because mm -hmm. it's like, like you said, we, we have these narratives of how things happened back then, but you're absolutely right. We didn't have the categories to even understand what we were looking at. Yeah. It's, it's like expecting us to be able to describe something that we 
don't even have categories in our brain to describe. And right. I think a lot of our listeners and myself included have a lot of these things that we look back at or of our ignorance. And what we have to understand about ignorance is that it is a linear, um, the, mm. the shit that we know now we didn't know then. And mm-hmm. so we we're judging ourselves now based on knowledge that we didn't have then. Sure, so yeah. I and, like and how you worded that. Actively kept from having on top oh, of yeah. like sure, external sure. forces. Yeah, you know, absolutely. What I'm thinking about when you're saying all this is like how often as a like as a healthy, mature sexual adult, like I talk to the people around me about my romantic and sexual relationships. Oh wait, you're the healthy person in this in this scenario? I mean <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, right. No, absolutely not. But no, um but I'm I'm just thinking about like how important that is for yeah. me now. Yeah. You know? And and how that was I mean I I you know I think it was sort of denied to all of us in a certain sense to have yeah. like a proper space mm. within yeah. Christianity to talk about your crushes and your sexual feelings yes. and yes, your yes, sexual yes, encounters yes. and your first kiss and your you know like things you've well, heard about and things you saw on the internet and just all that shit that you don't have space to talk about and how bad that is. And like you're dealing with that now, like years later. Yeah. Because you just didn't have a place to to put it at the time. Yeah. No, I didn't. And I didn't even know what it was at the time. And that's Mm. so weird to me now to reflect on. Another thing that was very interesting now that I'm trying to like, I mean, I I identify as bisexual, but um, I would say like another thing is that the hypersexualization and like the focusing on women's modesty and stuff has Mm. caused me to have even more confusion Mm. because it's like, it's trained me to check out every woman that comes in, you know what I mean? And really focus on her clothing. And as I'm questioning who I am and whatever, that has been like a big mind fuck too, Mm. because it's like, I'm already attracted to both guys and girls. And then like, but before I didn't even acknowledge that and seeing myself 24 seven, like checking out women it was just very confusing because I'm like, am I checking them out because I'm judging them because of the way I was raised or am I, che- you know, it was a lot to process. Wow. Yeah. 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 And we always come up with, ex- that, that's a big thing that I know about people. Like when I talk to other people who are queer and they had to repress themselves or anywhere on the spectrum is that we come up with a weird ass little excuses in our minds of like, yeah. Oh, well I'm not checking him out. I just, I just want my body to look like that. Right. Or, right. You know, yeah. Wow. That's exactly yeah. what I was yeah. doing. There's always like some weird, weird way in our minds that we justify it and that's that's completely normal um we do need to take a break but when we get back um we're gonna dive more into like what started to pull you away from all of this and and like you said where you started to ask your own questions and realize your own your own life and that you can make your own decisions um yeah so we will be right back right after this Okay, Chuck, are you ready? Have we only have one shot? We got to make this work. Uh, wait, you didn't give just just me just read an, your lines. I'll oh, give you the paper. Oh, okay, okay. Psst, are you guys ready? Are you ready? Uh, All right. Uh, uh, um, are you ready to deconstruct with friends? What the what the hell? Where did, where did all this come from? <laughs> 
deconstructing your faith used to be boring and boring as hell. But no one must deconstruct their faith alone ever again when you deconstruct with friends. Chuck, tell them what we mean. Um, yeah, that's, that's right, Brady. Yeah. Uh, the life after has a... Uh, what the hell, Brady? Uh, I went full on Jumanji on this one. But keep going. He's a rental by the hour. The, the Life After podcast has a secret Facebook community and Slack yeah. channel for people deconstructing the, the uh, Christian fundamentalism and other oppressive religions. Uh, meet new people and, and, uh, and deconstruct with, with friends. friends. <laughs> nice job, Chuck. You even got the echo. Uh, thanks. Uh, that was kind of cool, I guess. Oh, God. He's touching me with his trunk. Uh, you can apply for the secret group it's on, our on our Facebook by answering three entrance questions. Your membership is hidden, and the admins keep the room constructive and helpful. Uh, now, can we get this elephant out of here? Nope. Probably not. But we can. Deconstruct with friends. Self-destructive behavior. <laughs> <laughs> it's all self-destructive behavior, Brady. We're all just going to die. Yeah, pretty um, much. <laughs> uh, welcome back to The Life After. That's the sound of a uh, Natter Days opening. Natter Days, the official beer of The Life After. They have to pay us. <laughs> no, yeah, that's, um, how, that's how it works. We're, here with, we're in the studio with my co-host, Brady Harden, and Victoria Lynn Myers, uh, Victoria. She's not in her studio, though. Like, virtually. Yeah, like, she's in the virtual yeah. studio. Via satellite. We're looking at her face on a screen in the studio. <laughs> Before you jump in, over break. We it's were actually talking... via uh, fiber optic cables, but... Yeah, <laughs> well, actually, it's through the fiber optic cables that we're able to see our friend Victoria through the internet. Um, you know, before we get started, we were talking on at the break about how, like, just an observation about how fundamentalism... It makes everything smaller. Like it's it's all about laser focusing your your beliefs and cutting all the the people who don't get into that laser and, and thoughts and thoughts and every yeah 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 just like everything. just obsessed obsession. And then what uh, Victoria was saying was that even though her experience has been different than our guest on this show, there's always something that's like we have in common with with her guest. And I think that's interesting to like Victoria, like not Victoria <laughs> fundamentalism. <laughs> it makes everything so small, but really our, our shared experiences, I think just makes the world more relatable. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind mm -hmm. of a cool direction. I'm all about directions right. lately of like, uh, this is how this the direction of this system goes in, and then now here's this system that just reality goes in, and um, mm -hmm. how different mm -hmm. those are is so different. What were you gonna ask? I'm sorry, let's jump. Oh, in. it's fine, it's fine. No, that's actually that's a really good point, and it's also like a really good uh, sort of springboard for community yes. building oh. because yes, we have this shared common experience. It's important that we don't trauma bond over it, but. Yeah. yeah. Well, okay. Just Explain. We can't get into that. Google it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we'll talk. We'll probably talk about it on the show at some point. I was gonna ask, for but uh, but yeah, no. Uh, it's it's great for for meeting other people and that. I mean, like honestly, a huge part of this is like just struggling to find people that have your shared experience. That's like a big mm -hmm. part of Victoria's story, and uh, and it's a good it's a good thing to go off of. So okay, so Victoria, you were. It's sort of like you did this, you did this like grade school, high school, college thing. At some point yeah. you found yourself like 
confronted with the proposition of an arranged marriage of sorts kind of is that Kinda, what, yeah. what did that story how did that how did that work out because that's just wild. so yeah it's wild um so it's interesting because the way that dating works and the, the fundamental baptist cult type thing where i grew up is that you don't date outside of the church. You know, you don't communicate even with outside of the church. Ew. Like you're very much separated your entire life from anybody else, unless you're trying to witness to them. We used to go door to door and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Horrible, horrible traumatic oh, yeah, experience. I forgot you used to do the door to door stuff. Yeah, yeah, that was horrible. <sighs> yeah. It's also, I've recently thought about how crazy it is that my family and all of the church members go to people at their hospital, like on their deathbed and try to witness to them too. Oh my God. How, crappy, how crappy is that? That they're like, you're going to burn in hell. You know what I mean? As yeah. they're about to take their last they breath. That's wild. That? Oh my God. Yes, they do that. It's wild. I'm like, and they think the thing is, is that they think that it's like a good, they're doing God's work. You know what I mean? Of get them in at um, the end. Yeah. Yeah, it's wild. So, but anyway, about the arranged marriage type thing. So it wasn't necessarily, I wouldn't say it was arranged in a sense, but it kind of was. I mean, everything was kind of arranged because you were only dating within there and they like very much picked and helped pick your partners or whatever. But like, so dating was already very weird because you couldn't spend any one-on-one time with the person. If you were in like a car alone, you would get written up or whatever. You had to ask for permission, even in high, even in college, like you'd have to fill out these slips that said where you were going to be, who was going to be the chaperone. And they were with you the whole time up until they drop you off. Um, and like, you couldn't even sit at a table at a restaurant alone. Like you couldn't be anywhere alone. You never got to know the person. And the minute that you wanted to be alone, they recommended that you get married. So like that was everybody there, everybody there. Oh, that's such a bad idea on so many levels. It's such a bad idea because you don't know anybody. You're just going off of like barely even a feeling. And then they're like, if you want to be alone, you need to get married. So that was what everybody did. I mean, it was not abnormal to be 18 and engaged. You know what I mean? It was not abnormal. I was such a shithead when I was 18. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and everybody is. Everybody right. is, but like, right. this is what they recommended. You know what I mean? Because a, they didn't want to talk about sex until the night before the wedding. They didn't want to even deal with that. Yeah. And so, if you wanted to even be alone with somebody to even see if you had any feelings for them, you needed to get married. Well, I mean, the Bible legitimately even makes if you're burning with lust, get married. That makes like right. wanting to bone someone a legitimate reason for the, to make yeah. a decision for the rest of your life, right? Oh. Like, yeah. so it's not you know from their perspective it's not that bonkers but like you know from the perspective of their perspective that's bonkers yeah it's very weird (laughs) it's pretty weird to think like that i just i don't understand the and then you see people that are just like they're married and unhappy which is already Mm -hmm. that's already the case with some people but there's such a high divorce rate and or if you're even allowed to get divorced that's another thing how many abusive spouses from the church and we had this one lady that was in our church that would come in with a black eye every week, Girl, but she had no, makeup so over sad. it. They had a bunch of kids. It was just so uh, sad to see. That is so and sad. I've, I've talked to my parents several times about like, you've created all these rules 
but they're impossible to follow through and end up in a happy scenario. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. they don't think about that. They set up rules and they don't think of the end. Well, and the rules don't protect you from the worst things that happen, no, right? They like don't. abuse, like, like physical abuse. Yeah, should, there should absolutely. be a rule about that if you're going to make a bunch of fucking rules. Fuck, man. And I yeah. hate to do this to you, Victoria. Um, because I know that you don't get like a lot of like movie references and everything, but it reminds me of the movie, the village. God, I go, go back to this movie a lot. I don't even like I mean, it that much. Very, it just it's, happens. It's on point for what we talk about right. on the show. So there we go. But it's like, you know, they made a point of, of like, oh, we want to cut off from the rest of the world. We're going to have to do this, but then it always finds a way back. Like you can have oh, all sure. of these rules, but like you said before, the, this human nature is still just going to find a way to, to a road until it finds its own path you know yeah for sure mama so what 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 was your specific scenario what did that look like you met you met you you wanted to date you wanted to like date this guy yeah i just wanted to even just ride in a car alone and they're like and they're like (laughs) they're like you need to get married and so he bought a ring and proposed to me just so that we could be alone um, and at that point I was like, okay, but, but he had some family issues. Like there was a lot of things like his mom is very <laughs> wow. much like How old were you? a little, a little out there. Oh. And I, I mean that in the kindest way possible, but his mom was like monster in law, like type oh. of stuff, you oh, know I what I mean? It. And so I was like, before, before we get married or anything like that, you need to move out and live on your own for a little bit and establish an independence because his family is very much like they're all together. They're very, you know what I mean? They have mm. no friends. There is very weird, like, uh, kind of, I've just come into the, come to the realization that it's like emotional incest type stuff. Uh, That's okay, the way yeah. they were. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so I wanted him out of that and to see like how he was before I ever agreed to anything. Yeah. That's smart. Um, and at that point he moved out, which was great. Um, he had a job doing something and ended up being let go. Like they were just letting people go. Um, and so he ended up getting let go. And at that point I moved in with him just to make ends meet. Yeah. And his family found out, called my family who lived in Virginia and told them that I had moved in and everything was called off. And at that point I was like, fuck it. Like, why is this so bad? Like all, I mean, it was not an ideal scenario, but it just felt very forced and coerced to the minute that you want to get to know somebody you needed to get married. And then from there, like you're just supposed to be with them for the rest of your life. And I didn't know this dude, you know what I mean? I didn't know him. And like, I never spent a minute alone with him. And then all of a sudden, like I move in and I felt like better about it. Cause I was like, Oh good. Like I can actually figure out if this will work. And then they're like calling off everything. And it was very, very stressful there for a little bit because like, I've always had a good relationship with my family, but like, who it was bad. And just seeing how they acted and stuff like that. And just, it went downhill from there. I mean, that was really a tall tale sign. I felt very forced into everything. Wow. Jesus. <laughs> so That's just yeah. so nuts. Like, like there's a part of me that's like, Oh yeah. Arranged marriage. Like, yeah. Okay. You know, but, yeah, there's, yeah, but then cool. I'm like, wait, what the fuck? Like you're like a kid. How old were you when that was all? I was, uh, so I was 19. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. You're a fucking kid. And you're like, yeah. the, like, 
if you show any like what where like how do you get the idea that if anybody has like romantic feelings toward another person that the next logical step is to get engaged like where right. do you get that where do you get that's that wild. idea but it's not that far from like that's obviously in like an extreme baptist fundamentalist cult version of yeah. that but it's not that far sure. from like how a lot of american churches think it's like, yeah. oh, you have some weird. sexual feelings. Okay, well, yeah, let's uh, <laughs> let's bag that up real quick. Let's just like make a nice <laughs> package to like, this is how you're gonna live the rest of your fucking life. Yeah, yeah. Well, oh because God. well, sexual feelings were only supposed to be for one person, and then when it comes yeah. to dating, um, or any of that, it's you're just supposed to know. I always felt like this, this pressure that you're just supposed to know, and then yeah. if you, right, yeah, 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 and then for sure. when things don't work for out sure. the way that you were hoping, then you have some story or some narrative that you would say of like, well, you know, I prayed about it and the Lord just opened my eyes God, and, you know, just God, doesn't, want us, God just doesn't like, want us to date like, right You now. know how gun ho I was a few <laughs> weeks ago? Well, none of that was as spiritual as I was making it out to be to find <laughs> out. And the only reason I found out was because he dumped <sighs> me. So now here's this new story explaining, you know, yeah. how I'm still spiritual, even though I didn't. Yeah. It was like always well, doing that shit. Right. Yeah. And it's kept a lot of people in a lot of toxic situations. If you mm. date like that, then you don't know the person nine times out of 10. I mean, we all have issues, but you're getting yourself into something unaware and yes. a lot of times then they believe that God has, this is your help meet. And so it keeps people in very toxic situations unnecessarily. I want to know anything about that. Yeah. I would definitely say based on what you're saying, Brady, I, I totally got married because of the, because I felt like I should have a feeling, you know, right. like I would just know. <laughs> You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, no, not a lot of, like, a lot of the logistical questions that you should ask before you get married, or even, like, question whether or not marriage as an institution is for you. Like, yeah. I was just like, no, this feels right. And, mm -hmm. and for me, ah! like, not knowing how I'm supposed to feel, you know, and with my neuroses of spectrum, whatever, of, like, not knowing... Mm -hmm how feelings are supposed to be for people. And then the kind of like trying to go along with that of like, Oh yeah, I think I'm doing this right. Uh, I yeah. guess it's like adding another layer of the questioning that, um, yeah, but, but we're all experiencing that. It's such like a, a yeah. mind fuck. It's such a mind fuck. It so, is. so Victoria, did that contribute at all to your, to your, deconstruction or, or what did what was when when did things start to turn around for you were you like I think I need to get out of here so I think a big part was like the whole dating and not even being allowed to spend a minute together I think another part was like whenever I started just like whenever I was a kid and stuff um you'd have to sneak like music in you know what I mean like <laughs> yeah. as a 12th grader I started trying to like sneak music in and it was like the most innocent music like Jason Mraz and I was like why is this bad and <laughs> and then yeah and then and then whenever I got into college and then like I started working like a normal job and then just talking to people finally that were normal and mm. seeing, Hey, they aren't that bad. Right. And then like the first time I wore pants, I literally got left at the store without a car by a family member what? because, 
because of the fact that they saw me try on a pair of pants. It wasn't even like I had owned one yet. I was just trying it on and they left me. What was going through your head in that moment when you were like, I'm going to try some pants on? I had wanted to my entire <laughs> life. And I'm like, fuck it. Fuck it. Yes, Today's absolutely. the day. Let's try on a pair sure. of pants. For sure. Yeah, and I try it on and I go to look in the mirror and and my family member walks by and sees me and like shook their head and walked out. Oh, oh my god. god. They're yeah, like I don't know yeah. what to, I don't know what to do right now. It's time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just wild like stuff like that where it's just innocent stuff that's just like my choice of like expression or my choice of whatever How'd and you that get home being that bad day? and I and I think that Sorry. in combination with me, like before questioning my sexuality, but being in a very healthy, I mean, as healthy as you could be for not even allowed to talk about it right. and feeling how, feeling how like just natural it felt. And then sitting in church and like hiding, but holding hands with that person as they scream about like homosexuality being a sin or whatever. Yeah. Mm, and yeah. it's just very, it just, that kind of clicked for me. It's like, this is not bad at all. Like this, you know what I mean? I see tons of people in this church in tons of unhealthy situations. And this is not that you're mm, not yelling at mm. them, but this is somehow a sin. Mm -hmm. And then all of this other stuff, you know, just added to it. And from the perspective of your family member, they're thinking, oh, I'm really showing how important the word of God is, oh, you know, yeah. and like that whole situation of just being so revolted by the sight of you wearing pants to them felt so real because mm -hmm. of how their app, like how their, their narrative and how they think and everything has been like structured within their the abstract imagination of their brain so it's like that Definitely. reaction felt so real to them but in all actuality was such a fucking small ass thing yeah, hey tiny. my family member had pants on um <laughs> but that revulsion that they felt yeah confirmed it for them oh yeah the for Lord's sure and i also because i felt it right yeah for sure and it's also very weird how much they like there's like you get to know your family and you get to know things that they actually truly are passionate about and other things that they just do just out of habit and are just out of the need for, you know, pleasing the other people in the church. And I've actually young. told my family specifically, like these people that you think are your friends or whatever, the minute that you decide to put on a different article of clothing, the minute that you decide to listen to a Jason Mraz song, mm. they're out of your life. You know what I mean? Mm. So why do you value them so much? Why do you value their opinions? And just seeing like my family specifically and how much they've given up that I would view as helpful things in life. Like mm. my dad had used to be in a band and like could have went far with that. He was pretty good. He gave that up. Just things that are like good to have, just hobbies that are good to have that help you with a lot of things and just seeing them give up everything because having anything other than God was sinful. It Girl, just never preach. resonated. Yeah. yeah. It just never resonated with me. Um, and like, it just, now it's almost like they act out because they're bitter. Like every, a lot of people I feel like in the church are just following because it's been like something that's been passed down from generation to generation. And when everybody, whenever somebody goes against status quo, it's like they have to express how disdained they are mm -hmm. at it. Mm -hmm. It's not even necessarily that they actually give a shit though. It's more so it seems like they're actually bitter because they want to be living that life. 
Um, yep. And also, and also just, I mean, the rhetoric that they're fed, you know? That's a damn good point. <laughs> Shit. So, all of these rules, like, okay, so you eventually start moving away from the from the community how did your I'm trying to figure out how to even word this yeah. how did your family react because you oh. we're taught i mean like i'm th- the the phrase that comes to mind is is conditional love yep. oh yeah and that's been something that has been very i'm still i would if i'm honest with you i'm still coming to terms with that because when mm. you think of family you think of somebody that loves you regardless and absolutely wants you to be yourself um, and wants you to be happy. And I mean, obviously there's limits. I'm not saying, and whenever you say that to them, it's like, they go, Oh, you want to be a pedophile? You know, no, I just want to listen to normal yeah, music. Just, like why yeah. do you go to extremes? Why yeah. is it one thing? Like, so I mean, also, I like always the Bible think, doesn't say anything about pedophilia. So, right. Well, yeah. The, <laughs> I mean, we could get into all of that. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I brought that up too to them, yeah. but yeah, it's been very hard realizing that a lot of the things that I thought in my life were unconditional, were very conditional. And it's kind of traumatizing to realize that, especially with close family members, that like it's very much yeah. based on what you can do. Yeah. And that was one conversation um, I had recently with my family is I was, you know, this has been like a slow progress with me and really coming to terms with who I am and being proud of that. And being proud of the things that I feel like I'm a better person than I ever would have been in religion because of the fact that they, their rhetoric is always remaining the same. They love remaining the same. The more you can stay on the old path, the better you are. Mm. And that is not the way I choose to live my life. I don't subscribe to those ideas. Um, And I love the idea of progressing forward. I think there's things that we need to change that are not being changed and that are so toxic that are being promoted in those type environments. And I'm proud of that. I'm proud of the fact that I've changed. And I told my mom, just because I don't look like you, just because I don't follow the same rules as you does not mean I'm not a good person. You know what I mean? And like, just the fact that I have to say that to close family members was kind of heartbreaking because because they don't understand how much anxiety inducing this Mm -hmm, is. You feel very alone out in a world. You're trying to figure yourself out in every way, shape and form because you've been so sheltered. You have nobody to go to and you have to prove that you're still a good person to the people that are supposed to love you the most. And it's not even like you're out there. It's not even like I'm out there doing awful things. It's not like that at all. I'm out here, you know, trying to be the best person I can be. And that's not enough. The prejudice is so deep, though, isn't it? I mean, and it 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 mirrors so many other types of prejudice. Mm-hmm. People who don't look like me, they're immoral. People who don't mm-hmm. believe the same as me, they're immoral. People who don't mm-hmm. have sex the same as me, they're immoral. Mm-hmm. It's it's this constant like same thing, but instead of it being based on race or sexuality, now it's just based on arbitrarily believing that this one dude came back to life. You know, it it's mm-hmm. such a pain in the ass that it's yeah um, that it's kind of like the one. Yeah, yeah, definitely D- discriminate people with with belief. That's the one thing that's still okay. It feels like mm. it's like because right. there's not there's not the same terminology and and vocabulary as there is with mm-hmm. other types of discrimination necessarily. Um, we're just automatically assumed that 
oh, well, these religious people are the good ones and people who don't have religion mm-hmm. are the bad ones. Right. Like, mm-hmm. No, that's like, we've and seen the being, same pattern. Let's get smart and stop doing yeah, it over and seriously. over. Totally. And now being like out of it and getting some normal interactions with normal people, it's like normally the opposite. Like I find that my prejudgments of people because of the programming and who they actually are are like 10 times different. You know what I mean? And it's sad how many people you miss out on in life because of your prejudice. Hmm. Dr. No, Marlene. That's, yeah, that's absolutely. Yeah, that's very true. Sorry. That was kind of Dr. Marlene's story was that you know, when she started going to college and started talking to normal people and she was had a waitress job, mm-hmm. that was her kind of like ongoing thing where she <laughs> was interacting with normal people. And she yeah, was, yeah, yeah. Oh God, the, they're different than I expected. You know, mm-hmm. they're, they're normal. Yeah. yeah I, and like better, they're like less judgmental. They're, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, I mean, I wouldn't say across the board they're better because I don't like to generalize, not, but yeah, yeah. That's not how it is, right? No. Yeah. It's not how they made it out to be for sure. And it's almost like I would have rather had a little bit of a dose of reality. They shelter you so much to where you go into the world blindsided mm. and then you just start questioning literally everything because mm. you had no stable foundation. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. it's almost better if you just give us, I mean, obviously age appropriate things, but a sure. little dose of reality would have helped and would have done so much for a lot of us. You know mm, what I mean? Rather I than keeping us sheltered and then us going out and getting a normal job or realizing. But the whole goal here is to never have us leave the, the flock. That's the whole purpose. Right. You, keep, you keep us ignorant and yeah. keep us there. That's the whole purpose. I understand that. But yeah, yeah, it's been it's, a mess. Yeah, it's the it's the con, it's the question of like the, the difference between like your goal being a whole healthy person yeah. that is that is human and that has like control of their impulses and it but also like enjoys their life versus like this is the way that you should exist and you need to fit into this you know box and it's like yeah and and you in the in the like you are honestly like in a way the cult that you grew up in makes more sense to me than a lot of Christianity because at least they were like going to extremes to try to fit (laughs) into the space that they yeah. were, that they had allotted for themselves. At least they were like go like really thought that this was it, and we're oh, gonna yeah. we're gonna cover all the bases. Whereas oh, like yeah. a lot of Christianity is like, well, this is it, but we're not gonna address like all of these things. And I think mm-hmm. they're both wrong, like super super wrong, and mm-hmm. not the way that we should live our lives. But like in a way, like. If 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 Christianity was true, I think communities like the one you grew up in make more sense than like you know uh, Lakewood Baptist or something. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, I mean. they were they were all in for sure. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's kind of why I was a Calvinist. I feel like too was if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it to the fucking extreme because I feel like it's an extreme thing, right? Like <laughs> you know, you're yeah. not going to yeah. buy a motorcycle to read a book on it. <laughs> right right yeah for sure so yeah. <laughs> we should probably take a break when we get back we're going to talk a little bit about uh what victoria's life is like now or uh, particularly what it was like after deconstructing because it, uh, yeah. it, it there's some twists and turns there but it I, I like the way it turns out so we'll be right back right after this
if you were gonna die tonight, do you know where Stop. you Just tell them about our website. Oh, just tell them to go to thelifeafter.org? Yes. They can go now, even without accepting Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. <laughs> thelifeafter.org. We have a blog, contact page, a link to our Facebook page, and more. All right. Thelifeafter.org. Heavenly. And we're back here talking to uh, Victoria Lynn Myers. Um, Victoria, so I, I want to talk about your your life now. Um, it's <laughs> we'll get into the we'll get into the more positive aspects, but I it's kind of a mixed bag, right? Because and I I I, I don't want to say I like this about your story, but like it, it, for the sake of this show, it's really important that everybody understands that like the the at the act of leaving your community and your beliefs is like such a difficult process and it's yeah. okay that it's difficult yeah yeah and yeah. like it's you're gonna be fine but like it takes some time mm -hmm. and like some difficult things can happen um so first of all like isolation is like such a theme in your story because you grew up in this cult that was isolating you from the world around you and you were like by the time you're a teenager you're obviously like grasping to understand the world that you live in better and you're you know finding yourself um just like not feeling like you're a part of the culture at large and then you decide to leave and you're like i'm going to join this culture that i've been so mm -hmm. isolated from but then you run into this super difficult thing which is like so common with people that listen to the show with people that have deconstructed their faith that you didn't feel like you fit you, you didn't feel like you had an in into the the world outside of your cult so now you're like trapped in between and you're feeling really 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 isolated what was that like for you Oh my God. It was, it was bad. It was, it was very, um, traumatic. I would say it was very, um, yeah. Isolating is the best word to put it. It's like whenever you lose everybody, everybody separates for whatever reason, because you've decided to put on a pair of pants or whatever the ridiculous Jesus, reason yeah. is. And then you need, you need a community. And especially if you grew up in such a community where everybody was so close being it's like losing a family member you Absolutely. know what i mean it's like losing all of your family all at once all you at have once, nobody yeah. yeah you have nobody you have nobody to turn to life doesn't stop when you lose these people you continue on but you don't have anybody to talk to anything about you don't have any friends you don't have any like my family at that point um like it's hard to talk to people in your life because even if you still are in communication with your family um, I was lucky enough to still be in communication with my family, but since they go to church literally every day of the week and they don't have any hobbies, there's nothing to communicate. You know what I mean? They talk about the weather, uh, but they don't support me. You know what I mean? And they believe that they can't actively support me. It's kind of the undertone. You can't actively support somebody in hopes that you'll bring them back. So you have to constantly remind them that you're in low key ways that you're not proud of them, you know, whatever it may be. There's, and so that was very hard for me because as a people pleaser my, and you're raised as a people pleaser, everybody in your life, you suppress who you are and become everything that they want for you. And so whenever you're thrown out into the real world, it's hard to not seek that validation. And whenever you can't get that validation from anybody, it's traumatizing. Mm. 
Um, Mm. And then also not having any friends. And then whenever you start trying to make friends, trying to explain your situation, trying to explain how you were raised, no one understands that. You know what I mean? You tell them you grew up religious and people assume you just went to church once a year, maybe on Christmas or whatever it may be. And so that was very hard for me to explain and reiterate that I grew up in such a stark environment. And even that, like, you just, you don't have that connection that like maybe you and I would have because we grew up in such ridiculous environments. But most people that you meet at a bookstore or wherever it may be, aren't going to understand that at the level that people like us would. And, and so it's been a slow process of trying to find myself and find other people that understand and are accepting of who I am. Mm. Yeah. Except for me. And that is like trying to become okay with internet friendships like oh, as yeah. a thing, you yeah. know, because here in St. Louis, where I am, it's hard to find other people who have kind of like gone through this, who I, you know, get and connect with and everything for the same reasons that you're saying. And so the thing that we've kind of had to lean on is online stuff, right? Like you, you got a hold of Chuck on Instagram and that's how we meet a lot of our, our guests and everything. And so kind of like learning to rewire our brain to find some of our social validation and community that we so desperately need um, to do that online for a time or for permanent. I don't think there's anything wrong with it for being permanent, but we definitely need to like know that we're not the only ones going through this shit. And if that means that we need to get onto online friendship dating (laughs) for a while, then, then I think it's time for us to normalize that. Yeah, absolutely. And another thing that I've noticed is that my prejudice against like certain people because of religion have really like kept me from maybe endearing friendships. You know what I mean? Like the closest friends that I have right now were people that I wouldn't have thought that I would be friends with Mm. because of the prejudices that I've had or been taught. And so really allowing yourself maybe in smaller ways to get to know people outside of the way you were raised just to confirm that maybe, you know, those ideas that you were taught were wrong and then slowly edging into that might be a good option because like the best people that I know were people that I wouldn't have originally been friends with. Mm, that's such a good point. Damn. That's yeah. Good. Yeah. That's a, yeah, that's a really good point actually. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Victoria, you had, so I, okay. The reason I want to <laughs> talk about this is because, um also trigger warning we're we're about to talk about a sexual assault so there is this like hyper valuing of of innocence in christian culture and it's like we i don't think we've really talked about this specifically on the show and it i i've realized over that this is like something i've been putting a lot of thought to over the last few months is that Innocence is kind of like it's really good for kids to be innocent, you know, unto a certain age, because there's just there are just things in life that are like a little bit too much for Hmm. young minds to handle, I think. But like when you're when you're a tween and when you're like 14, 15, 16, it's like you're getting to an age where you just really it's really important that you understand how the world works, because the world is kind of a shitty, harsh place where people will try to take advantage of you. And if you are not savvy with the way Mm -hmm. that the world works, 
you end up getting getting hurt and you had so you're a you're a model and you deal with uh you deal with various photographers that reach out to you and want to work with you and you had a really negative experience with one of those can you tell us about that a little bit yeah yeah absolutely um so I actually really liked his work and I'd reached out to him to see this was like probably two or three years ago, um, whenever I was really dipping my toe into everything. And I had reached out to him just to see about a possible collab. Um, and he said, yeah, that's fine. You know, we'll meet up. And we had started planning a shoot. Um, first shoot went fine. The intentions behind the shoot now in hindsight were, um, grooming me. Mm -hmm. Um, but at the time I didn't even know what that was and growing up and seeing, just the way men acted towards women in the church, it still felt normal. Yeah. Um, and so I kind of went along with it. Um, and so the first shoot, I had never shot anything um, provocative, anything um, nude or anything like topless even. Nothing like that. I was not comfortable at that point with shooting that, and I made that known from the get-go. Um, but he kept with the the idea that the only way that I would be a successful model is if I learned to be comfortable in my own body and, um, that being comfortable in your own body meant showing more skin. And so that was the real narrative there. Um, and I kept saying no, that I wasn't comfortable with that, but he was a pretty well-known photographer at that time. He worked with several agencies. And so I kind of took his word as the word. Um, and so I wasn't comfortable with it. I told him no. Um, but he was like, let me show you poses that could shade the areas that you don't want exposed so that if somebody pressures you, you can do this. That was the guys. Mm -hmm. So that was our, so that was our first shoot. Um, our second shoot that we planned was probably a few months later. He invited me to come to his studio and shoot with this other model that was signed um, to get some experience and then to go through selects. Selects are like pictures that we've already shot um, to see which one he wants to edit and then also shoot and like continue with the whole comfortable with my own body narrative. Um, and I agreed because I liked the pictures that we had shot before. I hadn't had like a stable photographer that I even liked his work. So I was like, OK, so far, so good. The narrative isn't necessarily what I like, but like, it'll be fine. You know what I mean? And he was Polish. So he kind of played on that too. Like I, you know, Oh, I don't know any better, you know, type of thing. Anything oh, sure. I, I had tried to like maybe stand a little bit of ground, but again, like the whole innocence thing and not being taught that you have a voice and not mm. being, being taught that you're a people pleaser and being taught like you just need to comply. And if somebody is acting like they have your best intentions at heart, you need to trust them was a big part of this. Mm -hmm. um, so I helped the other model with the shoot. And then we went to his place to shoot like and become comfortable with my own body. Whenever he gets me there um, through a series of events, he um, pretty much tells me to strip. Uh, and it was just me and him and I tell him no. And he keeps telling me like, this is the only way you're going to succeed. This is the only way you're going to succeed and keeps going. And I keep saying no, he's saying no. And he keeps going. And so I slowly undress and stand to the side with like my hand over my, my body trying to shield myself as much as I can. I never shot like this before. And I was not comfortable with this mm -hmm. whatsoever. 
and he starts to take pictures and I didn't realize it. Um, like I was standing to the side, had my hand over my chest and over my, um, vagina. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I say, let me see the pictures. I look at the pictures and it's just straight vagina shots mm. straight. And I about lost it. I literally felt like I was about to barf because of how, like, it was just so intrusive and so traumatic to see that on camera. And you know what I mean? And so I, I, I yell at him. I'm like, delete those. And he then pushes a button, which I now realize is just like a, like just to go back to shooting mode, but on the main screen, it just shows a blank. So he's like, I deleted them. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then he proceeded to pin me down and say that every time before we had shot, he had to pet his dragon in oh order to, yeah, oh, all this gross. creepy stuff, pin me down. And I had like a bruise on my hip because of Girl, it. I'm sorry. And Mark. then, um, and then like later on, like a month later, I hadn't even like after that incident, like I went a few days without talking to him and he texted me and he's like, are we okay? And I was like, I kind of felt like you betrayed me. You know what I mean? I kind of felt like I didn't even know what words to say because mm -hmm. I still as a victim of sexual assault of any sort, it's natural, especially whenever you go through this to try to put blame on yourself. It's natural. Your brain starts thinking, what did I do? Because it makes right. it easier. It makes it easier to take the blame than to blame somebody else, because that means that you trusted somebody that wasn't deserving of your trust, that somebody completely blindsided you. So it's easier to think, what did I do? So I didn't know even how to go about it initially of even confronting him. I just said, I felt betrayed by you. I felt, and he, and he said to me, I did what I needed to do because if I didn't do this, somebody else would. Fuck. And that was just disgusting. Yeah. Um, this was around the time when the me too movement really started gaining momentum. And, um, at that point I had joined Twitter and I saw somebody that was a mutual photographer post about him and say that he had assaulted his girlfriend. Mm -hmm. And then I Oh my God, there's more than one of me. Shit. Let me come forward too. Yeah. Um, and so I went to the police and I told mm. them and they got up in my face and asked me why I hadn't reported it sooner. And I broke down crying. They were laughing at me and stuff. It was very, I had already, I like where his studio was and stuff in location to where I was. And I, I don't know if you know this, but a lot of times with sexual assault and stuff like that, you'll actually have to drive to the closest police station to where it happened. So that was already traumatic enough going near there. Yeah. I go in there. I'm already scared shitless of cops. I go in there. I say, hey, I need to report something. And they get in my face and ask why I didn't do it sooner and start yelling at me. And I start crying. And mm. they didn't take any of the case seriously. So I'm like, so I'm like, fuck it. Let me just call him out on social media then, because that's the greatest tool I have at this point, since the cops don't believe me. Like, I'll do that. So I post and tag him. I didn't post on his act on my, my actual, um, like feed or whatever, but I had, um, like put it on his story and sent like the screenshot of his text saying he did what he had to do whenever I confronted him about pictures of my vagina being on his screen and tagged him in it. And then he had the audacity to be like, if, if she truly was assaulted, would she shoot like this? 
and and oh like with wow. pictures of me you know what i mean pictures of me that i would have never posted that i was never comfortable shooting from the get-go and he's using that as an excuse for why i wasn't assaulted by him mm. and Dip i was shit. just so traumatic so traumatized because yeah. then there were people there's always with with people like this with people that are very manipulative mm-hmm. that groom people and stuff like that there's the person that you know, and then there's the person that his family sees. There's person that yeah. his friends see. And so his friends all came to his side and started calling me a slut and a whore and all this stuff. Jesus. And it was just so traumatizing to, like, put my business out there to tell my story, to do all this, and for it to be flipped on me. It yeah. was just—and I felt like, and now in hindsight, it's very hard because you see the signs now that you realize— you know, what the normal are, things. Right? Yeah, what they are, but you don't know that, especially whenever you're coming out of this and you're in the very beginnings of deconstructing, you are very willing to trust people that say they have their best interest at heart. And it's 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 very hard to like accept and get over. I think like a big theme number one, fucking sorry that that shit happened. Like that's so fucking bullshit. And it makes yeah. me mad. And what makes it even worse is the fact that like the reason that you were so gullible and naive is because of your childhood indoctrination. Mm-hmm. And what I've had to learn is to not be gullible and naive and to mm-hmm. even accepting that about yourself of like, mm-hmm. okay, the things that I've shown about myself up to this point in my life are that I trust people when they tell me this and I fall for it. Mm-hmm. So if I can continue doing this or I can kind of, learn to think on my own and figure out a little bit of a new standard of how I get my facts Mm -hmm. and kind of going through that process of not being naive anymore, gullible. Um, you've kind of taken that you've done that. And so can you speak to that or what are some of the things that are kind of like your guide? Before I just want to be really clear that we are not implying that anything was Victoria's fault for being gullible, even though that, that is a f- what, what we it. are saying yeah. is that like a lack of education about sexuality, a lack of exposure to the regular world, a lack of conversing about sexuality I'm and sorry. how it works and what sexual predators are and what they look like mm-hmm. results in people getting hurt because yeah. you don't you're not educated on it. So it's, mm-hmm. it's cool. Thank you. I'm glad you yeah, said that. Anyway. For sure. Yeah. What was your question, Brady? Well, can you speak to that kind of like, what have you been learning about how to be less naive or less gullible? Um, have you, what are kind of resources have come, have you come up with? So, um, a really good resource for fellow models is the shit model management list. You can okay. type it in onto Tumblr cause they made the person that created the list, take it down. There was a bunch of death threats and stuff like that, but that's a really good resource. If a photographer or you reach out to a photographer, I would run it past that list. Um, also checking with other people that have shot with the photographer, um, DMing them, asking what their experience was. The problem is with a lot of these photographers is that if they've had or caused a negative experience with another model or whoever it may be, they're not going to post that person on their feed. Right. So it's very hard, like as the case with my, um, the guy that messed with me. Um, yeah, it's like, it's very hard to kind of do your due diligence sometimes. Um, one thing that I've, kind of put into practice is not shooting alone with them, making sure, which it's so sad. And it's sad for the people that are good people 
but you have to automatically assume that everybody is bad, at least initially, because otherwise you can get screwed over. Um, so that's one thing I've kind of learned is running things past other people, checking that list, um, listening to the signs and being aware of the signs, you know what I mean? Getting mm. educated on that, because if you don't know that you're, you're going to be prey. Mm. And so even outside of that, even from like a more practical, like everyday thing for people who may not be models, like what I'm hearing though, is you saying, having conversations with people, getting to know who you're dealing with or what you're doing, not being alone, having kind of like a little bit of somebody that you can lean on to, but also that you are going to go out and figure out the world, not be scared of it at the same time. Well, and yeah, yeah oh, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I was, I was just going to say like, there, there was a lot of, in that story, there was a lot of like, I felt uncomfortable. I felt uncomfortable <laughs> and he insisted mm-hmm. and I felt, and it's like, trust your body, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, you say it all the time on the show, like trust your body when your body's saying, I don't want to do this thing. Like, don't then find it. Don't just like, don't do it, but like find a way out of a situation if you're being coerced into doing something. Yeah. And it really yeah. sucks that like your career and way, you know what I mean? Like your, your ability to exceed, succeed in your in your field, field that had to do with that. And that that's so f- fucking horrible. And yeah. And another thing that's stupid is that as somebody that does have such like a more so public persona, at least like whenever you come forward with this, you're subjecting yourself to a lot of backlash mm-hmm. and then also other photographers. But this is a thing too. I know I'm only giving advice for fellow models. I'll follow this up with like real life advice. That's fine. That's fine. Um, but another thing is, is like I've dealt with backlash from photographers too, with the standards that I now set, like, sorry, I can't shoot alone. Sorry. There needs to be a stylist or a makeup artist, at least until I get a good feel of who you are as a person. Um, but those type people maybe shouldn't be worked with. You know what I mean? If they're Mm. giving you backlash, you're being vulnerable with them. You're telling them your story or at least part of it. They should be understanding of that and work with you if they really care. Absolutely. Um, but when it comes to real world stuff, that's something I'm still working through because in this instance, although yeah, I do need to trust my body and that's something that's very difficult for me because with religion and stuff, it's always the opposite of that. Mm -hmm. Don't trust yourself. Don't trust your gut. It could be an inner voice. That's the devil speaking to you, or it could be, (laughs) you know, 30, there's 30, there's schizophrenia in my brain. You know what I mean? You got 30 voices going on. So how, how am I supposed to interpret every one of them? So (laughs) that's very hard to distinguish. And that's something I'm still working on is how do I feel because I've never been in tune with that in my entire life. It's never been about me. And Shit, it's right. nice It's nice to learn that, but it's something that takes time. Um, and so in this instance, although I did feel uncomfortable with the situation, I still trusted myself, which is a mind fuck. Because you're going into this thinking that you trust yourself and then to get blindsided mm. is just wild. And now feeling like I trust myself is scary too because – in relationships and friendships, whatever, it keeps me at an arm's length with a lot of people because I yeah. trusted myself in other instances that it ended up like this. So can I actually trust myself? And I know it's just going to take time and I absolutely can, but it's going to be me becoming more in tune with myself, me listening to myself and then doing little things that confirm it. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. That's, such that's good really advice. good advice. Little things that can, oh, that's so good. 
Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah, definitely. So, okay. So let's end on a slightly more positive. Note. Yeah. So <laughs> you are, you are a model and, um, yeah. you know, I mean, you, you just sort of, you sort of brushed over it over the last few minutes, but like you, this your what you do now is so contrary to the way you were raised. Totally. And I love that about your story because it's like you came from like such an extreme fundamentalist, like like extremely like modest forward. <laughs> yeah. And now you're I mean, like, you know, your butts on Instagram. Like yeah, you're you totally. know, and like you're like Jesus. You're <laughs> you're like you're okay with I mean like you're comfortable with that now. Yeah. Like, and honestly like the whole thing is and this is something that i feel like i had done is like it was like reclaiming that assault in a in a a stance for me right um like before prior maybe old tori wouldn't have been comfortable with that but in order to take charge of my life that has been really freeing for me very cool yeah how, that, go ahead with your question. No, no, no. That's no, that's fine. That's great. That's great stuff. So, what what did that process look like, though? I mean, like you 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 got into modeling. You how did you become comfortable enough with your body to like sit in front of a camera and be like, oh, this is going to be on the internet, or this is going to yeah. be in a you know whatever. Yeah. Honestly, you'd be surprised, but models are the most insecure people you've ever met. Okay. Um, a lot of them struggle a lot more than I do. Like, it's interesting. I was just in Houston and I had talked to a few people there that were flown in for the same event and just hearing their stories and hearing that I'm not the only one that feels isolated or has some issues is very, very nice. So don't, what you see on social media is absolutely not the reality. And I know that goes without saying, but you can't hear it enough. Fire festival Um, is not real. Fire festival. (laughs) (laughs) The orange square. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, yeah. So originally how I got into modeling was I had a next door neighbor while I still lived at home. Um, that was a photographer and she just needed somebody to practice with. Um, and so I started doing that and I really just had a lot of fun with it. It was nice to have a creative outlet. There was nothing really like that. We didn't have any art classes, Mm. arts, creative direction wasn't really our focus. It was more so memorizing Bible verses and telling people they were going to burn in hell. So (laughs) it was really, it was really nice to have that contrast. Um, and so moving forward, whenever I moved up here to go to that college, same thing happened. I had a friend. Um, that was religious, that still needed somebody to practice on. And I still felt that passion that I felt behind the, or in front of the lens. Um, and so it was more, so it wasn't something that I was like, yes, I'm absolutely the most stunning person ever. It wasn't like that at all. It was just something that I felt passionate about and felt like I could be myself in and Mm. felt freeing and creative for me. And I just didn't have enough of that in my life and I wanted to pursue it. That's awesome. Cool. That is so good because like that is such a big step for a lot of people that are coming out of fundamentalism or coming out of Christianity because the, so much of that conversation is like you should be this, you you could be that, like oh well, this oh, yeah. ha- this happened, so that must be God telling you to do to be a you know marine right. biologist or whatever you <laughs> know whatever. Yeah. Yeah, and also hate your body, and it's like. 
the minute right. that we find that thing that we're passionate about that we feel free doing and we feel ourselves doing, mm-hmm. like that was such a big part of my deconstruction was just like being like, oh, I don't have to, like I'm a musician, right? And it was like, I don't have to make music for God and it doesn't have right. to have a message. And I'm just going <laughs> to yeah. make a fucking song about how I fucking feel right now. Yeah. And it was yes. like so liberating. And that was a bit, that was a huge turning point, you know? Totally. I mean, for both of us, it was like the show was a big part of that. It was just like, let's do something that we have fun yeah. doing, that we enjoy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? You know, and it's like, it is so important to find something that is authentically yeah, you absolutely. and fits you that is not part of an outside influence, you know? Totally. Yeah. It's been a very big part in just freeing myself and becoming more comfortable and more in tune with myself and just allowing myself to be who I am. Love it. So great. Yeah. That's a perfect note to end on. I feel like, because it's like a high, it's like a high C. like a major chord um thank you so much that's so much good advice um and i I love just hearing about people figuring out who they are and like you said chuck like how it's such a juxtaposition of who she was before um i think that's huge and i love it it's great i do want to remind our listeners go ahead oh i was just we all have this like we can make our own path to being Fleetwood Mac freer people you can go your own way (laughs) or Big Mama Cassett you can uh, make your own kind of music (laughs) that was our senior class classic classic album well, as I said, I do want to remind our listeners that we have a Facebook group where, where it is a private group where you can deconstruct your faith. Um, we have a Patreon where you can select a monthly amount of payment that you want to um, dedicate to helping us and what we're doing. Um, and also, lastly, please get on iTunes, rate, review, and subscribe. I want to point out that we are the best reviewed podcast about deconstruction um and the way that i figure that is by um if we have we we have like the most with like the highest rating anyways there's some that have like more ratings than us but we're still like like, it's a little switchy we have to switch things around but uh, yeah i'm I'm really proud of that and i want to thank all of our listeners for um going on there and rating review yeah no that really does help us out a lot seriously Um, and, you know, we have this saying at the end of our episodes that we always say. All the episodes. Um, if you don't go to church, Sunday, Sunday is just, just a second Saturday. Saturday. See you next time.